On today's show, the Hawks hold serve at home and knock off the Detroit Pistons in what was a close-fought game. We'll touch on all of what transpired and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1613 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use promo code Lockdown MBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And also, I should tell you at the top of the podcast and really encourage you to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you find your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And today's show, We'll focus on what became a 130-124 to win for the Hawks at home against the Pistons. The way I set this up a little bit yesterday on the show is that this is essentially the biggest no-win situation imaginable for the Hawks. And what I mean by that is that the Hawks had to win this game, and if they had lost it, you know, basically it would have felt like the sky was falling in a lot of ways. Because they won... It wasn't necessarily an impressive win. It wasn't one that's going to get you on Sports Center. Um, not a ton of upside, but there was a lot of downside. And essentially, the Hawks needed to take care of business and hold serve in this game. And they did that. It wasn't always pretty, but they led the entire way. The Pistons never led this game at any point in time. It was tighter than it should have been down the stretch. But the 24th straight loss for Detroit, which is a just a remarkable stat in itself, and the Hawks get over the finish line at the end. They were in control of this one for the most part the entire way. And now they've won two of the last three games to improve to 11-15 on the season. It's not been great, but a win that they really desperately needed, I would say, um, at home on this Monday. And we'll get it all of sort of what transpired in this game. If you're a new listener, by the way, welcome aboard to the podcast. Hopefully you will keep joining us. And please subscribe to the show. If you missed it, by the way, over the weekend, I actually posted four episodes from Friday night through Sunday night, which is a lot more than usual over the weekend, but that included a two-part episode that I did yesterday on the show on Sunday with my friends Tyler Jones, a certainly a popular podcast guest in this space. Fun conversation as always with Tyler, but uh, we'll get into the game now. And I have to start a little bit with some non-game, but sort of, I guess, tangential stuff. And that is regarding to the injury report, which is very busy for the Hawks in this game. Three of their key guys were questionable coming in. Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, and DeAndre Hunter, all questionable. Capella and Hunter ended up both playing. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Capella played because the Hawks announced actually he had an MRI on Sunday and that um, sort of revealed a bone bruise of some kind for him. But he was day-to-day still, and Clint said after the game he was actually feeling pretty good, so hopefully they dodged a bullet there. But McDonavich did a pretty lengthy warm-up that I was able to watch in the building on Monday, but didn't look terribly springy on the sprained ankle that he has. Um, fortunately, it's the ankle, not, not the knee, or uh, either, so I would say either one of the knees for Bogdanovich at this point in time. But um, long story short, he didn't play in this game, so they were still down a lot of key pieces. Jalen Johnson is still out for the Hawks, even with a upbeat um, sort of talking points tonight from Snyder about Johnson. No official update there on his status. A.J. Griffin, by the way, missed his fourth straight game. Um, Quinn was asked about A.J. before the game. Um, and honestly, in unsurprising fashion, he gave very little information, basically no information. In fact, the direct quote is as follows. Quinn said, and I quote, AJ is out right now for personal reasons. I will leave it at that. End quote. So no surprise really, but no other update from the Hawks and personal reasons, personal reasons. It's kind of a tough situation to, from the outside. We, we just can't know unless someone tells uh, me or others about what's going on there. So hopefully everything is well with AJ and he'll be back soon. Um, 
Pistons were down with some guys too, but certainly the Hawks were not at full strength in this game. But even with that said, the folks at FanDuel, our friends over there, had the Hawks favored in this game by 11.5 points. Without bogey and without Jalen, etc. And that kind of tells you where the Pistons are at this point. Now, the Hawks didn't cover that, that spread. The Hawks are essentially, I believe, the worst team in the league so far at covering point spreads. Not ideal, probably, but anyway, all that said, we'll get into sort of what transpired now, and big picture, the Hawks were pretty good on offense, I thought, in this one, until crunch time. It was a little bit ugly, a little bit um, stagnant and ISO-heavy down the stretch of this game, but the Hawks' top six guys essentially are the guys that you know usually play a lot of minutes. They're starters in this game, plus a Kongwu, the guys that they want to be playing on a regular basis. All those guys played fairly well. And that kind of helped them to post a 126 offensive rating in this game. They shot it well from the field, 54% from the floor, 44% from three. They got to the line 27 times. That's very solid. The one black mark on offense was 18 turnovers. That's way too many. But besides that, they were really kind of in a good flow when the starters were on the floor throughout the game. And then um, in crunch time, it definitely slowed down and got stagnant when they were trying to kind of run up, run up the clock with a lead. But it was pretty good on the whole offensively. They took almost half the shots at the rim. That's just a very good sign. They did a good job on the whole with with regard to like their shot selection and shot creation. And Trey's passing was just otherworldly in this game, which kind of opened up a lot of avenues for the for the Hawks. But you know, other than Dejounte Murray, Hunter plus nine, Bay plus nine, Capella plus ten, Trey plus sixteen in this game, and that kind of felt right if you watch this one. Defensively. They did enough. It wasn't always great defensively in this one. Detroit's off, offense is not good. Although they are much better um, with Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, certainly probably their second best player behind Kate Cunningham, um, and, and a pretty good offensive player in general. So the Pistons are terrible. There's no way around that. But they are better with Bogdanovich, and that was uh, evident in this game. But Cade was honestly very, very good in this one and uh, had 43 points for the Pistons on a really high efficiency, number, also had seven assists. Like, he played great, and that was one of the reasons why the Pistons were in this game was that Cade was kind of lights out. But the Pistons shot the ball better than they usually would. 41% from three in this game, um, 50, 51% from the field in this game. The Hawks did shoot, actually held the Pistons to 58% of the rim, which is actually excellent. Um, that's like a 22 percentile or so um, for the offense on, on Detroit's side. So the Hawks did a good job at stopping the Pistons at the rim, but they still allowed a bunch of shots um, at the rim because of point of attack stuff. Uh, Detroit, Detroit is bigger than the Hawks are right now, and they had 22 second chance points. That's way too many in this game. Also in the second half, in addition to Cunningham cooking, um, Quinn pointed to the fact that Jaden Ivey got downhill in transition a lot in the second half. I definitely agree with that. He was able to kind of use his speed uh, before he fouled out in this one, and that definitely hurt them. And in general, Detroit had 21 fast break points. The Hawks' transition defense has not been very good most of the year. That was definitely the case in this game. That definitely hurt them. But they got they, they just were okay enough defensively. I'm not going to come on, come on the podcast and lie to anybody. They were not great on defense, especially in the fourth quarter where they allowed 40 points. In a, uh, and again, credit to Detroit. They made a bunch of shots. But you know, other than Cade and Bogdanovich, they were able to kind of hold most other guys in check. Um, Ivy got some got some cheap buckets, and, and I said I said that in a positive way. He was very good at getting downhill. But again, when the Hawks had their better players on the court, their guys that are like their non-depth pieces, they were much better in this game. They were the better team. It wasn't breezy, as we'll talk about in a second when we, when we get sort of get into the uh, ebb and flow of this game. It was not a comfortable win in the fourth quarter. But I believe they were up by at least five, six points the entire way. In the fourth. It might have got to four at one point, but it was not any closer than that. Um, and they were uh, in relative control, which we'll talk about more in a second. But all that said, 
a win is a win is a win. Quinn said after the game that any win in the NBA is a good win, and certainly that's there's some coach speak in there. I'll be the first to admit that, but it's also true. Like I tried to stress this yesterday on the show. Obviously, the Hawks need to win this game. The Pistons are not good, and it was a home game. Like it would have been a very, very, very bad loss if they lost it. But in the NBA, all these guys are pros, and like you can lose. And I think um, the Hawks were sort of well schooled on that probably before this game. Like they, they had to show up and win it, and uh, they were able to do that. And again, kind of hold serve, take care of it. However you want to frame that. They won a game that they needed to win, and they got out of there with uh, no damage done. So there you go. We'll get into all of what transpires sort of ebb and flow-wise in a second, but first, they were from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is sponsored by eBay Motors, and our partners over there at eBay Motors have teamed up with Lockbond Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft in fantasy basketball land or scouting the waiver wire in your season-long league, Every week, we're going to actually have some players for you that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us this week on eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. As always, there's a full list of guys from Josh, but we're going to focus on one of them, and that is Suns guard Grayson Allen. Allen is known for all of his fireworks with our players, of course, all the time, but with Bradley Beal out for a while now in Phoenix, Josh notes that Allen is in line for big minutes and more usage with the Suns. The big thing for Grayson Allen is that he's a really good shooter. That leads to three-pointers. He's making 45% or more of those this year. Um, he's, he's always been a very willing and accurate shooter. And he averages in uh, double figures in scoring this season as well. He'll throw in four or five rebounds per, per game without taking much off the table at all in fantasy basketball land. No huge upside for Grayson Allen, to be to be fair. But if anything causes Kevin Durant or Devin Booker to miss some time, he'll actually have even more usage. And already with Beal out of the lineup, Allen is in line for as many shots as he probably can handle at this point in time. So, in the end, Josh believes that Allen is greatly undervalued, and it's easy to see why that might be. And again, Josh Lloyd is the best in the business, number one, and he's also a on fantasy basketball. He's going to help you out win, by winning a fantasy championships this year, and eBay Motors knows about championship teams, and the fact that each player on your team needs to be a perfect fit. It's the same for your vehicle at eBay Motors, and I'm on the road a ton for work purposes. Going to Hawks games, all over the place, driving around, et cetera, et cetera. There have been times that I've actually needed to up- upgrade my car or just kind of fix a part or two to keep things running and on schedule. And eBay Motors is the best possible place to do all of that. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride, you can make sure that your car or truck stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. And they have brake kits and LED lights. They have bumpers and roof racks. Whatever your vehicle happens to need, eBay Motors will have it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back plus at these prices you're burning rubber not just burning cash and keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com the place to go is ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit is only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply all right we'll dig in now to kind of the uh player by player and observations and all my sort of musings on this game so the hawk actually started this game kind of the inverse of saturday where they had a terrible start in cleveland and this one, they were up 9-2 out of the out of the gate. Capella had a nice block in the first possession of the game. Hunter had two threes. Murray had a three as well. They were up 12 by, by the middle of the first quarter. The Hawks made their first six threes in this game. It's always very helpful to make all of your shots at the, at the outset of a game. Uh, Trey had one that was very lucky, a very friendly bounce on a corner kind of fadeaway three at the buzzer of the shot clock. I thought Murray played good defense at the outset in particular. Um, rotationally, no huge surprises. Um, Okongwu was the first sub, played next to Capella a couple different times. Not a ton of that, but certainly a little bit of it. That uh, was Garrison Matthews and Wes Matthews on the floor. But the only change was that Seth Lundy got his first rotation minutes of his career. Of course, I've been a Lundy fan for a long time. I was advocating for the Hawks to draft him back in uh, in June before they actually did take him. I thought he was 
fairly low-key in his minutes, which we'll come back to later on. No huge, like, highlight plays, and I thought he gave them good defensive effort, etc. He was clearly the ninth man, and they didn't play him a ton, but they didn't have to play him, and they did. And we'll talk about that more later on as well. Um, also, a kind of an injury scare to Wes Matthews at the end of the first quarter. He was hobbling really badly, and Quinn had to call timeout. He actually went to the locker room and ended up coming back. Hopefully, all is well there with Wes Matthews, but sort of a scary moment there. Um, Garrison Matthews had a six-point possession, and I'm not kidding. Six-point possession. I know that kind of sounds funny, but he made a three, got fouled on the three, missed the free throw, they got the offensive rebound, and then fouled him for another three. So, not often do you see a player have six points on one possession, but that happened to Garrison in this game. Um, Quinn challenged a foul on, that was called to, called on Garrison Matthews at the end of the first quarter. Kind of a weird challenge, even though it was a bad call, but it would have been Garrison's third foul. I think that's part of why Quinn challenged it, to be honest with you, but he ended up winning the challenge. There you go. And the Hawks were by 13 points in the first quarter. It felt like for a minute they might, they might blow the Pistons out. But the Hawks hit nine threes in the first quarter. And the rest of the game combined, they made seven threes. So they were unsustainably hot in the first quarter. They were 9 of 12 from three. They cooled off a lot from there. And that kind of led to the game being a little bit more stagnant the rest of the way. They were up 16 at one point in the second quarter. Trey had, <laughs> uh, let's just say, a series of what I would describe as absurd passes in the best possible way. One of his best passing games, I can remember, he was ridiculous as a passer. One of those was to a Kongwu. Fittingly, that was one that actually was not an assist because Kongwu missed a layup, but that was a crazy Im- impressive pass and uh, didn't even count in the, on the stat sheet. But the Pistons did come on their first run with Trey off the floor in the middle of the second quarter. The Hawks were up by 9 at halftime. They did lose the second quarter because they were 0 of 8 from 3. But the Pistons got a little bit more comfortable. I thought DeJounte was really good in the first half. Not so much in the second half, but there you go. Um, after halftime, kind of an ugly start in the third quarter. They got two or three easy buckets on just kind of fly-out breakdowns defensively. Then Trey threw a pretty terrible pass midcourt. It was a turnover. It led to a pick six. And suddenly the lead was down to five. And it was like, okay, this is going to be a real game now. Uh, Trey did make back-to-back threes after that to kind of, help, kind of help stabilize things. And the Hawks made one more big run, 11-2. to two. To go up 16 points, and the impetus of that was Trey, but Sadiq Bay made a corner three in the middle of the cor- in the middle of the quarter against his old team in Detroit, and Bay really, really needed a shot to fall. Sadiq Bay, at that point in time, had made seven of his last 37 threes. That's not a you know, that's dire, let's just say. So he made two in a row. That was good to see. That so kind of one go down for Sadiq because he had been in a real slump in three point range. But Detroit didn't roll over. They got a couple of big runs. Um, Garrison Matthews had a really had a really tough stint. Um, I thought that, I thought defensively they did buckle down at the end of the quarter in the third. A couple of nice traps that kind of um, led to deflections and turnovers, etc. And they were up actually up by 12 points going into the fourth quarter. But the fourth quarter got a little bit too close for comfort. Um, there was a stunning back behind the back pass from West Matthews in the fourth quarter to a Kongu for an easy bucket. That was kind of a fun play. But Garrison had a tough run. He traveled on uh, on one possession and then actually got um, blown through by Jaden Ivey a few times defensively. And um, shortly after that, the Hawks were only up by seven with like eight minutes to go. Then that, they brought Trey back in to kind of just stop the bleeding a little bit. But the bench was struggling without a, other than a Kongwu. It was pretty rough there. Um, they actually got lucky in the middle of the quarter where Marvin Bagley missed a dunk that would have cut it to four. Like it was pretty tight at that one, at that point in time. I will say Capella had one of his best best passes of the season with about five minutes to go. He, he, he zipped sort of a laser pass to Hunter in the corner for a three. That was an awesome pass and a good shot by DeAndre, a big shot. Um, they, there was a funny turnover by Hunter after that, a typical like ball-handling Hunter fashion. But it didn't bite them too much 
Trey had two more incredibly impressive passes, one to Capella and another one to Hunter for a three to go back up by 12 or so. And they were in control there. Um, but again, it wasn't over because Capella got called for moving screen with three minutes to go up 11. That was a bad call. And I thought Quinn might challenge it, but it would, it would have been a tough one to win, let's say. And then Trey gets a T to give the Pistons a free point, And then Kate hits a three. So it basically was like a six point swing in a hurry. And then suddenly it was back to seven at that point in time. It felt kind of dangerous. They gave up a fast break bucket with like 130 to go to go up by six. And the offense really, really stagnated in the stretch run. Um, at one point, they scored one point in six possessions. Trey was just kind of getting into way too much iso ball. I think like the caricature of some people like being super negative about the Hawks offense kind of was true with the very end of this game where it was just way too much stagnant iso for Trey. And like, look, Trey can bail you out of that. And tonight, though, he was really, really outstanding. Like, and I mean, truly outstanding offensively for three and a half quarters. And the last five, six minutes, not his best work. And he was not alone, but they just didn't run anything. And it was kind of, it was like the worst Nate McMillan style, you know, your turn, my turn stagnation at the end of the game. Um, they did get bailed out a little bit by the Pistons being bad. Uh, Wiseman missed both free throws, giving the crowd free Chick-fil-A. Always nice. And then uh, they basically just needed to avoid big mistakes at the end. It was never closer than like seven or eight points. Um, Trey and DeJounte both missed free throws at the uh, last minute and a half. But only one each, and they did a decent job there. And uh, I believe it was never closer than six in the final minute. So no fireworks. They kind of managed to escape. It was not pretty. like, But still, they were up by 11 with three minutes to go, and they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. And yeah, I would not recommend necessarily a rewatch of the last five minutes for offensive purity because it was really, really rough, but it was enough to get out of there with a win. So I said it before, but just a spot where the Hawks had to just simply take care of business and they did that. Uh, aesthetically, was it always pretty? It was definitely not. Will they have to play better than this to beat better teams? Probably, but it's a win and it's a home win and it's one they had to get and uh, we'll kind of just leave it right there for now. We'll have more on this game in a second when it comes to the player-by-player -player evaluations of this contest. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. And with Game Time, you never actually have to worry at all because Game Time has last-minute deals for tickets on football or basketball or baseball or concerts. They have comedy, they have theater, they have much more than that. And it's incredibly easy to navigate the service at Game Time to find and buy tickets for any event in your area. They're also obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. And they have zone deals for an average savings of 18%. And at Game Time, you can see the views for the seats and the venue they're looking for. It helps you to know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue. It's an awesome perk at Game Time to actually just put you in the seat and let you know exactly what you're going to be getting when you get there. They have all-in pricing as well. That you actually know your total upfront without any of the hidden fees some other places might have, and you have peace of mind at game time as well. The big thing is that the game time guarantee means that you always get the best possible price at game time. Take all the guesswork out of buying tickets by using the game time app. Download the app right now, create an account, use promo code Lockdown NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase with game time. Terms apply. Again, create an account at game time and redeem the promo code Lockdown NBA for twenty dollars off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, to the players in this one, and it was a nightmare rotation, given all of the absences for the Hawks. Again, just to run this down quickly, no Jalen, no Bogdanovich, no A.J. Griffin, no Bufkin, and no Gay. So five guys out, and, uh, you know, they, they did call up Miles Norris before this game. They did not play near to Patty Mills or Trent Forrest or Bruno Fernando. Nine guys played. Seth Lundy and Miles Norris were actually in Orlando. <laughs> the Hawks play in the showcase of the G League showcase coming up in the next week or so. 
uh, in College Park, I should say. And they might actually still send Lundy and Norris back to Orlando, but they were already there. And credit to, you know, Quinn said this after the game, that he credited a lot to the G League coaching staff down in College Park for keeping Seth, in particular, prepared to play. Because he was literally, flew, he flew in this morning to play this game. And he played nine minutes, like he wasn't going to blow you away. I've always liked what he can do. Uh, his defense is, is solid at this point in time for a rookie in particular. But it was a low usage role. He only took one shot and missed it. It was a good look from the corner. Just missed it. Had a rebound, but he looked fine out there. And that's that's actually a credit to him being able to be a rookie with no preparation and going out there and playing good defense. He was really getting good energy. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they play him again coming up on Wednesday or he's, if he's in with the big league club at that point in time. But it was good to see Seth kind of get his feet wet with his first minutes of his career. Uh, obviously, he did play in garbage time, but this is actually his first real rotation stint. And he held his own, for sure. Um, Wes Matthews, 15 minutes, minus nine, two points, two rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. He was very active defensively, as he always is. Offensively, Wes is certainly a negative. Um, did have a nice layup at the rim. Misses only three-point attempt, but a very low-usage player on offense. Uh, and I think, in general, the bench just was, just was not great in this one. Wes was fine, but uh, not his best. Garrison Matthews, 23 minutes, six points, five three-point attempts, uh, was two of five. Five fouls in 29 minutes, sorry, 23 minutes. Uh, two turnovers, had two blocks, though, kind of strangely. Three rebounds. G- Garrison and West both compete. I thought West was better, better than Garrison in this game. Garrison had a couple of bad moments defensively, and, like, you, you could definitely see that he will get in there, but one-on-one, he got beaten ISO a few different times, and he's kind of a weakness there. And, look, there's a big drop-off. Like, I think that Garrison Matthews and West Matthews are better than what the Hawks had at, like, deep bench last year, but they are not guys that you necessarily want to play right now in the NBA. And the Hawks, again, had six guys available in this game that they want to play. All six were pretty fo- were pretty solid in this game. And the guys uh, seven through nine, uh, one of them was a, ro- was a first-time rookie in Seth, and then, the, and then Matthews and Matthews were just, they weren't awful, but they were a clear downgrade for the Hawks. Let's not, not breaking any ground here, obviously. And they kind of had to play. I mean, maybe, maybe they could have tried Trent Forrest instead, but the options are what the options are. Uh, maybe they could have gone a little bit bigger with Bruno Fernando, but... Um, I no beef with the actual rotations, just the fact that they had to kind of lean on these guys more often, and uh, that led to some uh, uneven results. Because, just frankly, they're not like talent-wise better than the Pistons off the bench um, with the available guys in this game. Anyway, the top six: uh, Akangwu, 23 minutes, 14 points, two rebounds, and an assist and a block. He was five six on the floor, four for the free throw line. Rebounding was a little bit shaky for Akangwu in this game. Two boards in 23 minutes is not great for your center, but I thought that he was fine. He played pretty well. Uh, the Hawks were poor on the glass when Capella was off the floor in this game. Not a huge surprise there, but alas. Um, to the starters, DeAndre Hunter is still not playing his full minutes. Like, he played 29 minutes in this game. That's actually a decent chunk, but for him, I think he would have probably played 35 or so if he was, like, 100% healthy. He was questionable coming in. But Quinn praised him in this game. I thought he played pretty well. He made five threes, actually tied his season high with five threes, a couple of big ones in the fourth quarter. Had two blocks and a steal, six rebounds, two assists. Did have four turnovers, that's too many for him, had five fouls, but I thought Hunter gave them good minutes, and they would have been uh, in some trouble if he had not been able to play by the end. Um, Sadiq Bey, 42 minutes to lead the team. 21 points against his old team, four rebounds, two steals. Uh, defensively, a little bit hit and miss, as always, with Sadiq, and he made those two threes late to kind of break out of that slump a little bit, but six made on twos. He is physical, he's beefy, and I thought he, w- he gave them good minutes. He was competitive. Um, he certainly takes it, I think, pers- a little bit more personally against the Pistons, because that, that's, of course, his old team. He was good against them the last time as well, up in Detroit, and a uh, good night from him in general. Uh, Capella, 17 points, 15 rebounds, and three blocks in 28 minutes. I thought Clint was very good in this game. 
Um, he's been playing really well recently. Um, no signs of like any huge issues with the knee in this game. Um, I believe I'm looking this up now to make sure I'm not crazy. Uh, yeah, I believe Clint now has scored in double figures in like I don't know eight, eight of the nine, eight of the last nine, nine of the last ten, something like that. He's been really good in December, like averaging like 14 and 14, something like that. So he's been locked in, playing playing good basketball, and uh, hopefully they avoided disaster with the injury potential uh, because he played in this game. Uh, Dejounte had a weird night. <laughs> I know it's kind of happened a lot recently, but Dejounte ends up this game with 20 points. Three rebounds, three assists, on uh, eight of thirteen shooting, three five from, from three, and that that's very solid. But in the first half, he had seventeen points, and I actually I praised I praised his defense at halftime, which is not you know I'm, I've been lower on his defense than most people have. I thought he played really well in the first half. Weirdly, in the second half, he took two shots. He was just kind of out there. I, I, I purposely watched a lot of film before recording the podcast on the second half because that was this is one of the reasons why he was strangely passive. Um, I don't know if it was just that he wasn't engaged, but his defense got a lot worse in the second half. He was passive on offense to the point where he was kind of just a bystander, kind of a, you know, some of that's like out of necessity, he, somebody has to space the floor, and Trey was certainly high usage in the second half. And during crunch time, it did not work, um, as we'll talk about in a second. Trey, Trey's offense in the crunch time did not work. But I thought DeJounte was just like apathetic almost in the second half. It was it was weird to watch him. Um, it's maybe just maybe he's tired or whatever it was. I thought he was good defensively, like actively so in the first half. And that went away, and then offensively, kind of, uh, kind of just a, uh, I don't know. He was a passenger in the second half, so we'll see. I think on the whole, he wasn't bad in the game, just kind of a tale of two halves for Dejounte. Uh, and then Trey, again, I, I said it before, Trey's crunch time work in this game was not good. Um, fortunately, they won the game, so there's not like a huge microscope there. But beyond that, the big picture, he was brilliant in this one. Thirty-one points, fifteen assists. Plus 16, a game best by a lot. He was 4 of 6 on 2s and 4 of 11 on 3s. That's totally fine. I got to the line 12 times. He continues to take a lot of 3s and make a lot of 3s. Uh, his passing was, I mean, truly otherworldly. I'm not trying to be uh, hyperbolic, but he threw no no fewer than 7 or 8 jaw-dropping passes in this game. And uh, at least one of them, maybe two, were actually missed by the Hawks, or maybe maybe they drew fouls. So he could have had 17, 18 assists in this game very easily. Uh, he was in total control. And yeah, while the while the very end of the game was not his best work, um, he was really, really, really awesome for three and a half quarters. And Trey has been in a groove. I talked about this a lot with Tyler Jones yesterday, if you want to listen to that show, uh, either one of the shows with Tyler. But I think this is, you could argue, and I think I've seen every minute of Trey Young's career more than once at this point, this might be the best he's ever played for a couple of weeks now, three, four weeks of basketball. I know he had, a, he had a, the rough start not making shots, but he's been, especially when you factor in the defense, which is a career best level for Trey defensively, albeit that's a low bar. He's been better defensively this year. Um, since the first two weeks of the season, he's basically been playing at his career best level, in my opinion. So, they continue in this game. He was awesome, and that was part of the reason why the Hawks were able to win, because again, they were plus 16 with Trey on the court in this game, and minus 10 with Trey off the court in 10 minutes. So, uh, there you have it. Anyway, that'll be it for today's podcast. Uh, a, a taking care of business win in a lot of ways. I've said a lot, but it really was the entire theme of this one. And what was essentially a no-win scenario from an outsider perspective. Because, again, if the Hawks had lost this game, it would have felt utterly dire. If they won it, as they did, they're not, not going to get a ton of credit for winning it. They're supposed to win this game. They win it, and they won the game and escaped from there. Uh, the Hawks are in the middle of a very road-heavy stretch. Right now, uh, there were lots of jokes between uh, media folks tonight about how, how how the Hawks have been on the road so much recently. 
So, starting with the trip to Toronto, the Hawks essentially, I, I believe it's five road games in a six-game period. This is the only home game was tonight uh, over like a two-week frame. Uh, so, they're back on the road. After this, they go to Houston on Wednesday. This is not your older brothers Rockets. The Rockets are not a great team, but they are 13 and 11. They are very solid. They play defense now in a way they have not in previous years. They've been kind of a laughing stock for three years before this. They are actually pretty good this year. So this is a tough a tough test for sure. And uh, certainly much more of a game that's more of a toss-up than the game tonight was supposed to be against Detroit. We'll see about Bogey. Um, he seemed to be kind of close, so I don't know if he'll come back on Wednesday. But I don't think it's going to be a long-term absence. Um, Jalen Johnson, for those, for those asking... No update at this point in time, but it seems like the indications are he's, he's getting closer and getting closer. He's been warming, warming up before games. Um, I don't think he'll be out that much longer. We're already in the window where the Hawks um, said they, they were going to be reevaluating Jalen uh, three or four weeks after the injury. We're kind of in that window now. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to play anytime soon, but I think he's, he's getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, Mo Gay, we'll see. Uh, they're already past the evaluation time on there, but they've not issued anything there, so we'll see if he's even further away than Jalen at this point. But stay tuned for all that. We'll, we'll cover it in, in, in the coming days. But I think Bogey might play on Wednesday, and then we'll see from there. But uh, a tough test on Wednesday, and then after that, they play Miami on Friday. Another tough one there against a division rival, and they're back home on Saturday for the final pre-Christmas pre game against Memphis in a game that should have John Morant involved as well. So anyway... That's to come, but we'll have much more coming up on this podcast. And please, please, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. One more plug here. I talked to Tower Jones for two parts on Sunday. Um, I got four shows over the weekend. This is the fifth show in the last like three or four, like three or four days. So uh, very busy on the show, but please subscribe. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Five-star ratings and reviews appreciated. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at LawtonHawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. I also write about the Hawks regularly at Patreon.com slash BT Roland. Also a PSA, there is some extra bonus audio content episodes on the audio-only feed. So you're, if you're subscribed on Pocket Casts or Overcast or Spotify or Apple, you will see some extra content from the folks at Locked On Sports Atlanta. Nothing less from me, just extra content coming to you. So stay tuned for all of that as well. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, it's just me all the time, so you're just blessed with that. But anyway, extra content there if you want to uh, partake in all of that. But please subscribe one more time. And I genuinely thank everybody for listening to the podcast, especially uh, on a night like this, where it wasn't always the most exciting game to discuss and a nice win for the Hawks in the end. So with all that said, we'll have more coming up later this week, and we'll see you all next time.